Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, the Ringers' Danny Kelly joins me to put together the perfect NFL draft. Seven picks with one player graded in each round and why Danny loves each of those players. But before that, I wanted to tell you about another ESPN podcast. It's hosted by ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth. Yes, Dominique Foxworth, the Dominique Foxworth, my co-host occasionally on Debatable, a regular contributor to this show. He's smart. He's funny. He's talented. He's handsome. He's You get it. It's Dominique. Listen to his show every Tuesday and Thursday because it showcases Dom's unique perspectives on football, parenting, the NBA, and really anything Dominique finds interesting. It's a very good podcast, you know, because at least one time, every single time I listen, I have to turn it off because I get so angry at one of Dominique or, or Charlie's takes when it comes to usually the NBA, sometimes the NFL, but that's a good ratio. It is that good ratio of smart to I disagree, but it's smart to this is infuriatingly wrong. So as we gear up for the NFL draft, check out the Dominique Foxworth show. Listen wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, here is promised on the Bill Barnwell show. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, making his debut. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Long overdue. Exciting. Long yeah. overdue to make an appearance here on the show. Someone I've known for a long time, first as a Seahawks blogger, then as a fantasy football expert, now a draft guru, a man of, <laughs> of a man of many hats. And today yeah. he's going to put on that latter hat to build the perfect draft with us here <laughs> on the show. It is the ringers, Danny Kelly. Danny, what's up? Not too much. Uh, just very excited for the draft to be here. Um, obviously, <laughs> been kind of a grind the last few months to uh, study all these guys. But yeah, I love the draft. I I love doing the study. I, and I kind of mix fantasy with the draft too. So that's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's a I'm it, long overdue being on this pod because I, I really, really <laughs> love what you do. I thought you were saying like long overdue, like I deserve to be here a long time ago, you jerk. <laughs> no, 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 no. Which is no. not not wrong, not unwarranted, to be fair. That's <laughs> not what I meant. Um, I just, yeah, this is fun. Let's Danny Kelly kicking out, kicking open the door, saying, <laughs> how dare you? We're not having how been dare you, previously. Um, you're not wrong, though. You ha- you're long overdue as a guest here on the show. It, it It's... The bench is very deep with Seahawks bloggers in 2015, <laughs> is what I think. Yeah. I think is the simplest way to put it. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you've been doing this for a long time, and you're very good at it, and and you do great work at The Ringer, putting together the draft guide there, which looks really cool and is fun to read and helps me and a lot of other people learn about the draft. Um, and so I wanted to have you on because I think, as someone who knows very little about the incoming class and very little about the NFL draft, um, I I wanted to get a different sort of perspective, a different sort of cut into the draft. And so the idea I had you execute, mm-hmm. we'll see if you executed, hopefully you executed it. Um, <laughs> so much pressure. That's true. And I didn't give very good details, so I may have screwed <laughs> this up. Um, basically, I wanted to build a perfect draft. And that idea was essentially looking at each round a player with a first round grade a second round grade a third round grade a fourth round grade and obviously that's there's some mm-hmm. there's some vagueness in those grades it's eye of the beholder right. but for players in those ranges with those sort of grades from what you've seen from what you've learned from what you've heard from what you've watched 
what would look like a perfect draft? Like a player in the first round who you think is better than you know typically what other people think about him in the first round and then the same thing in the second round the third round the fourth round the fifth round the sixth round the seventh round so seven players one in each round with a grade in each round who you feel like you're very confident in or you're really excited about or you like more than the consensus so i think this is going to be very hard in the first round and very hard in the sixth and seventh (laughs) round and easier in between but i guess we have to start in the first round so Danny, I leave it up to you. Please give me a player in the first round who this average team, by all accounts, I don't think we have any details on this team taking this player, but the the first round pick a team would take in the perfect draft. Yeah, so this is tough, obviously, because all my first round graded players, I think, are good players uh, just by rule. But I think especially in this class where, um, you know, there's no clear cut elite blue chip players at the pass catcher position or specifically mm-hmm. at receiver. Um, I think the tight ends are going to get pushed up. And so the guy I chose here is Dalton Kincaid, who is really maybe like the best pure pass catcher in this class, other than Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I th- he, he's my clear cut number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, like Dalton Kincaid might be the best second best pass catcher, wow. um, you know, and just from a utility point of view, like where he's going to win, he really did remind me. And I, and obviously like I say this with a huge caveat, but like he really did wa- like watching him. It reminded me of Travis Kelsey, the way Ooh. he moves, the way he plays, um, you know, sort of his style mm-hmm. where he's not going to be like much of a blocker. He's kind of a get in the way blocker, but he <laughs> is such a good route runner. He's very, very dynamic after the catch. Um, just a smooth, fluid mover, mm-hmm. really good and competitive at the catch point. Um, you know, he like, He's just like a really good all-around pass catcher, and I think teams could see that and maybe take him over one of these other receivers because, by the way, the receivers are very small in this class too. Mm. So um, to me, Kincaid is a great first-round pick, assuming teams are signing off on his injuries. He's missed most of this process with a back injury, but it sounds mm-hmm. like his doctor gave the teams the green light that he's he's good to go for football. Um, but yeah, to me, he is he's one of the most intriguing players in this class, like full stop. I can hear you making the how small gesture towards the wide receivers in this class. <laughs> yeah. Just taking shots at them as opposed to six foot three Dalton Kincaid. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess what I wonder about tight ends and I want to know mm-hmm. if you believe this is true because it's a curse in my right. eyes. Right. Do you buy the curse that first round tight ends or highly drafted tight ends are prone to be disappointments? Do you think it's a small sample? Like, why do you think so many prominent tight ends guys taking in the top 10, the top 20 don't live up to the expectations people have coming into the draft. I think it's probably a combination of a few things. Number one, it is a bit of a small sample. Um, And I think like, it depends too. Like, do you think that TJ Hawkinson is a huge disappointment? No, like he's been pretty good. And honestly, like, I think he's, you know, this is maybe a, in your favor this is like in your argument favor but like he's on his new team now so he's he's doing really well but i think he could have a massive year for the vikings so mm-hmm. um maybe that's a, a argument against taking him to just trade for a guy or whatever when he's in year three or year four but mm-hmm. um you know i think kyle pitts another great example like he had a thousand yards his first season he didn't have a very good season last year relative to what we were expecting and so now people are kind of painting this like broad strokes like tight ends are a waste of a pick in the first round mm-hmm. i think Cal Pitts is going to be a superstar. And so um, I do think there is something to the idea that it takes these guys a little bit longer to develop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's just like people don't have enough patience to let that kind of play out. But at the same time, Dalton Kincaid in particular, 
is he's, they're not going to ask him to do much blocking, or at least a smart team will not ask him to do much blocking. He's going to go in, be a pass catcher, mm-hmm. and in theory, um, you know, be able to hit the ground running relative to some of these other guys who have to learn how to be like a, a hybrid offensive tackle and pass catcher, which is very hard, and which is, I think, a big part of the reason we see so many tight ends take a long time to get sort of in a groove in the NFL. And so, um, yes, I do think there is something to it. And if you look at the history, like it's hard to deny it. But at the same time, I think the way that the NFL is changing, the way that offenses are utilizing tight ends, the, you know, just his style in particular, and Kincaid is, he's essentially like a big slot receiver. Um, I'm pretty bullish on him, you know, not necessarily having a huge year one, but not like being on the very, very slow track to success. We see a lot of tight ends do. Yeah, it's been more than anything, I would say, a weird career path for a lot yeah. of these guys. TJ Hawkinson, top 10 pick, traded away. Noah Fan, 20th overall pick, traded on the Russell Wilson deal. Hayden Hurst traded uh, for the Ravens in the deal with the Falcons. Um, OJ Howard gets hurt. Evan Ingram, you know, has inconsistent years with the Giants and then has a, an impressive season with the Jags. David right. Njoku um, gets a big second contract and has his best season. Eric Ebron goes to the Colts and has a huge season. Tyler Eifert has that great season around the injuries, unfortunately. You know, those are all the guys taken in the past decade outside mm-hmm. of Kyle Pitts, who just got hurt in his second season in the first round, ra- the first 20 picks, sorry, the first round of the draft. So, you know, it, it's such a weird position in so many ways that, you know, I, I do feel like you said the the they maybe break out later. Just their breakout paths are different. You know, you rarely have the the Gronk, where it's just from really day one, he was a superstar. Right. Um, even Travis Kelsey missed his entire rookie season yep. with microfracture surgery. There was questions about whether he was going to ever be able to play in the yeah, NFL. Just to add to that, like it seems like lately too, and especially last year, I was just a little bit surprised, I guess, to see a few of these rookie tight ends actually make an impact mm-hmm. at times. Like Greg Dulcich, when he got done, he he was injured and he was fighting. I think it was a hamstring injury for much of the yep. season. He came back. And he had a couple of big games for them. And he was like a big part of their offense down the stretch. Kate Otten for the Buccaneers came in and, and caught some passes. Even Daniel Bellinger for the Giants, not that he was putting up big numbers, but he mm-hmm. was involved in the offense. Chiga Kwonkwu with the Titans yep. did some things. Um, and if you go back a year before that, like Pat Fryermuth had a good first, first year for the Steelers. Not that he was a first rounder, but like you see guys um, at that position starting to maybe be more productive and more involved in the offense sort of like how we see with receivers too like maybe they're Mm -hmm. lagging a little bit on receivers but um you know in in the old days i feel like other than the big superstars it would take receivers a couple years to kind of like be Mm -hmm. ingrained in the offense and so maybe this is changing slowly and tight ends are starting to be part of that group because frankly they're just more like receivers than they used to be yes absolutely and dalton kincaid is a perfect example this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be um is there a a dream fit for you in the in the first round where a team where you'd be so excited if they took Dalton Kincaid I've kind of been circling the Cowboys as my dream destination um I mean I could make the 
argument for a few different teams here, but like the Cowboys in particular, I like just because if you look at what Dak Prescott, how he's played in in his career, he has Mm -hmm. consistently loved target the tight end. And I think last year it was, he was third or fourth in terms of target rate to the tight end position. You can make a guy like Dalton, uh, not Dalton Kincaid, uh, Dalton Schultz Mm -hmm. into a very high volume player, even though I don't think he's like a special player. I think get Dalton Kincaid, the type of, um, target rate and target number that they Mm -hmm. gave to Schultz and he could be like a star like right away. And so, um, you know, he's a, he's a, that's a team I really like. I think, you know, the Bengals would be a lot of fun too, just because that offense is sort of, um, I still think ascending and and just the way that Joe Burrow likes to play, spread it out and kind of like find his guy. I think Mm -hmm. he could fit really well with the Bengals too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We have a tight end in the first round of the perfect draft. Danny, where are you going with your second round pick? All right, so I'm going with defensive tackle Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Okay. So part of this exercise that I did was trying to find, um, you know, like name brand, off brand guys for some of the superstars you find in the first round. So like, you know, archetype matches for like yeah. what you can get in the first round. And so to me, Benton looks like a discount version of Jalen Carter. And if okay. you go through their career numbers, it's pretty darn similar. Like, okay, so they're both six three around 310 pounds like Carter okay. came in at 314 in the in the, in the combine and Benton mm-hmm. was 309 um their career tackles 83 81 mm-hmm. you know the tackles for a loss very similar sacks very similar and, and total number of games very similar you go back and look at just 2022 and again like down the line almost everything is like very similar from snaps sacks pressures tackles for loss tackles missed tackles um, you know, it, it very, very similar production. I'm not trying to tell you that Benton is a better player than Carter, but I think you can get a similar style of player um, in the second round. Probably he is very explosive off, off the snap. Great first step quickness. And the thing about him that I think really stands out is he has this devastating club move um, where he just <laughs> basically just like punches guys out of his way. Oh, no. Um so like they go, you know, they go flailing forward and he just comes right into the, into the backfield. So I think that's kind of like his thing. And he has a couple of different moves that he, comp- he combines with that mm-hmm. to get into the backfield. He's a four-year starter. He's been durable. He can line up at multiple spots on the defensive line. So he's a, you know, big guy that I like a lot in, in the second round, probably. Yeah. And still only 21, still relatively young for a guy who has that level of experience at the yeah, college level. Exactly. He came in and started, I think played right away maybe it wasn't a quote-unquote starter but he's been a he's been a you know a contributor for them for a long time um he did really well he was kind of one of the big stars if you will at the senior bowl mm-hmm. um and yeah so he to me like i maybe there's even a chance he sneaks into the first round i don't know we'll see what happens but um he's a guy that i definitely want to be targeting in the second round mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean absolutely you know a guy who had 10 sacks his his senior season at wisconsin um do you think at that level at the you know if you're taking a defensive tackle in the second round i'm trying to think of like you know a a pro comp maybe but just say does he have to be an impactful pass rusher for you to justify taking him in the second round or if benton turns out to be a good run stopper but not a a disruptive force in terms of creating pass pressure on the interior is that worth a second round pick to you i think so you know i think and i comped him to jaron reed and mm-hmm. I think I believe he was the second rounder and and yep. did have one high end season. I think he had 10 sacks one season. Um, but generally speaking, he's more of like a three, four, five sack guy. Yep. Um, you know, I think that's totally fine in terms of value. And and Benton is nice because he can 
can play on all three downs. He can play at multiple spots on the on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an energy guy. He's sort of like ups the intensity of the defensive line. So um, even if he's not going to be like a high end sack guy, mm-hmm. uh, I do think the, there is good value there. And and you could probably, I mean, honestly, you could say the same thing about like Jalen Carter. Do you think Jalen Carter is ever going to be like a double digit sack guy? Mm-hmm. I like, I don't know. I, it feels like. Like, I feel like I'm on both sides of this argument, you know, like I want to be the, well, there's more to defensive play than sacks, but <laughs> I also want to be like the, they're also, you don't want a guy who's not going to get sacks. Like that's right. why people get paid. So I, I don't know which side of the argument I actually believe in. I kind of believe in both. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I, I think you can be a great player without necessarily being a 10 sack a year guy. I think Vita Vea is kind mm-hmm. of the classic example. He's a great player. He's an impactful player against the run. He's a, a a very solid pass pass rusher in terms of not just being a guy who's going to win one-on-one, but more so a guy who's going to create opportunities for the people around him when totally. you play games around him. You know, he's going to occupy defense, offensive linemen. He's going to wear them down. He's going to be a player who can really be, you know, kind of a, a force in the interior and create, you know, positive games for you with a Shaq Barrett or um a Joe Tryon Shayinka. And, you know, I think with Jalen Carter, the hope is that, yes, of course, if he turns to Fletcher Cox, awesome. Like you're not going right. to be upset about that. But if he can at least be a player who creates havoc on the interior and creates opportunities for the players around him, that's also really good as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so we have a tight end and a defensive tackle in the first two rounds of the perfect draft. Danny, where are we going <laughs> in round three? All right. I'm going to uh, pass rusher edge Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri, who I think is a little bit of a sleeper at this point in time. Yeah. Um, but again, I went with the sort of archetype discount archetype type guy named brand sure. off brand. He reminds me a little bit of miles Murphy. Who's widely considered to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he is six, four. And now I'm talking about McGuire six, four, 268 pounds, 82 mm-hmm. inch wingspan. So Ideal frame. I think he's got room to kind of pack a little bit more weight on depending on where he lands and what they want him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, really good athlete four seven six forty. He had a 36 inch vert. Um, he's really long. And, and if you watch some of his games, like he was, I, I think a little bit inconsistent, which is why he's probably not going to be a guy that many people are talking about in the first round, mm-hmm. maybe not even the second round, but once you get into the third round, um, some of his highlight plays, some of his best games were really intriguing. In fact, he gave Broderick Jones, Mm-hmm. A lot of issues when they played Georgia. He was like bull rush, bull rushing him, um, you know, kind of like toying around with him a little bit, like going like counter moves inside. Like it was like a very sort of eye opening performance, I think, in that game. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, if you look at some of the numbers with Miles Murphy and Isaiah McGuire, it's it's very very similar across the board. In fact, McGuire has Murphy beat in pressures, tackles for a loss, mm-hmm. stops. Um, and then when you look at just the pure true pass rush opportunities, that's what something that PFF charts. Mm-hmm. Um, McGuire had more sacks and a much higher win rate than Murphy. Mm-hmm. And so to me, he's he's a great option in the third round. If you miss out on one of these elite, uh, quote unquote, elite uh, pass rushers in the first round, you can come back in the second or third round, grab a guy like McGuire. You know, he's the type of guy who has a ton of upside because of athleticism and length. He's mm-hmm. another four-year player that's only 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, there's definitely some upside there as he develops and, and, you know, gets bigger and all that. So I think he's a very intriguing day two guy. It sounds like you just don't like Miles Murphy based on I think that that's, conversation. That's a little bit fair, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think he has he, Murphy is like a high floor guy to mm-hmm. me. Like he's he's one of those players that he's going to come in. And he's probably going to be a starter for you. Um, he's going to be a good run defender, set the edge. He's got great length. He's a super athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of like a high floor, but like he was disappointing in some ways to watch because he just wouldn't finish his rush mm-hmm. quite as much as you'd want. Like he just wasn't getting as many sacks, wasn't getting to the quarterback. Um, great get off, like one of the most elite first steps in the, in this class. But mm-hmm. Murphy just to me was a little bit disappointing and just, you know, leave you wanting something more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have him in the twenties in mm-hmm. my, on my big board. I know that he has some people see him going a little bit higher. I think that's more like his range probably, but, um, but yeah, I think that's probably fair. I, I, like I'm kind of looking for the discount version of him. If I'm, if I'm being honest, miles Murphy hater, Danny <laughs> Kelly says, I say I'm just as good. Why, 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 why even bother? Um, so- why bother? That's my whole, that's my whole draft mantra. Why bother? Don't even draft in the first round. Just take just guys trade, later. Trade the picks with the Rams. Danny, Danny, F them picks. Trader, yeah. tra- trader Danny <laughs> spousing the Rams philosophy yeah. here on the Bill Barnwell show. Isaiah McGuire finished his career in school after playing four years. He he was only played six games his his freshman year, but 41 games in total. By the way, I'm still in these stats from Dane Burglar's uh the Beast Guide. I don't want to front like I have. Uh, this isn't you just like get the mind palace like listing yeah. out some things that you <laughs> yeah. remember yeah, of course i know i, I know how many games i didn't plays first year, but uh amber <laughs> glue's guide at the athletic right. is awesome check that out um only 16 and a half sacks in four mm-hmm. seasons at missouri and i know we're talking about a third round pick you're not gonna always have you know guys with crazy sack numbers uh once you get to the middle rounds but how do you feel about sack production on the whole at the college level like do you think you can be a compelling edge rusher prospect at the nfl level if you only have sort of you know decent sack production at the yeah. college level or do you think you have to have that like you know 10 12 14 sack season just to kind of prove okay like my elite level is nfl caliber when it comes to getting after the quarterback right i think it's um it's clearly better when sure. you do have a lot of production like that's obvious you, you know having a guy that has that proven production, has the ability, the, the killer instinct, whatever it is, um, to get to the quarterback and finish. But at the same time, if you look back on a lot of, you know, some of the NFL's better pass rushers now, like their pass pressure, their their sack production in particular in college mm-hmm. was all over the place, all over the map. Um, and I think there's several reasons for that. Number one, like a lot of these guys just don't have a very good plan in, in terms of they don't have very many counters. They don't have um, a very developed repertoire of moves. A lot of these guys are have have gone through their entire college careers just like the best athlete on the field. And so I'm not really going to like, I don't need to have three or four different counter moves where I can use to like win on a consistent basis. They're just like bigger and faster and stronger than the guy across from them. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that where guys are underdeveloped. And then also just, and I mentioned you could pack on some weight with McGuire, like sometimes these guys, if they're 20, 21 years old, just haven't bulked up to the size and weight that they really should be, or maybe got down to the size that they should be. And so um, I think there's a lot of variables that you see with the pass rusher position um, where I'm not willing to completely write off guys for a lack of production. Um, You know, if they're, if they're coming out of college that way, I will say though, if like they're old, if they're an old prospect and they haven't produced, I see where we're going now. That's a little bit of a, a red flag to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think 
pass rusher in particular, like you have to look at the traits. Like last year, we saw the first overall pick didn't have very much sack production um, in Trevon Walker. And so, you know, I think this is the way that the NFL looks at it. It's like we're looking at traits. We're looking at a guy that we can mold and teach him some more moves, but you cannot teach a guy to have twitch at 275 pounds. I think last week um, or a couple of weeks ago, we had our guest call Hendon Hooker a 38-year-old man. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot uh, of ageism in draft. In, that, in apparently. Draft yeah. Whole article today on ESPN by Adam Rittenberg about a 25-year-old rookie um, and about guys like Hendon Hooker and whether they uh, are worth drafting. Where, where do you right. stand in this, Danny? Are you, is there a certain age or a certain point where you're just crossing people off and saying, not in my organization? Or how do you feel? <laughs> my son, his big catchphrase right now, he's four years old, is not in my city, which is... A- <laughs> Which is a thing he got, I think, from, uh, I can't remember, he got from one of his shows, but he's always like, not in my city. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I would say, generally speaking, I treat the age thing, it's different for different positions, right? Like, for positions like a quarterback, where you know, having some college experience, like more starts is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think all things being equal, it's better if they're young because it means they did, they were performing better at a younger age against older opponents. Mm -hmm. And that generally speaking just means you're good. Like if you can, if you're like showing up and, and dominating against younger or sorry, against older, more physically developed and more experienced players, that means you're really good. And that's Mm -hmm. why in like the dynasty world and fantasy, like, early declares it gives you just a massive bump if you're a receiver who came out early or running back who came out early just because it means you're better it means you can come out of college because you're one of the best players in college mm-hmm. and so um it's a big red flag if it's a you know a fifth year guy or a 23 24 year old guy and i'm saying all this i'm going to bring up a guy that fits that exact mold next year but um but yeah i think that's a red flag it's not something that i'm going to take off my board especially at quarterback a guy like hooker i'm not going to take him off my board just because he's a 25 year old especially mm-hmm. you know specific to the situation right now like the COVID year changed sure. everything in college football nil is changing everything in football in college football and so um you know it's just different than it used to be the, these guys can take an extra year they can get money they don't have to like rush into the nfl and potentially be like a mid-round pick and sort of ruin their prospects um they can go back and play another year, get more, you know, get more experience, get more reps, learn the language of quarterbacking a little bit more because it's just so complex, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. We've seen, you know, a couple of guys like Pickett was old. Um, and we got a couple of guys in this class who are a little bit older. And so, and, and going back, even Joe Burrow was an old prospect. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely not a deal breaker. It's more, you know, it's just one of those things you have to consider. Yeah. I mean, if you're not a first round quarterback, you're not a guaranteed first round quarterback the year before you're entering the league. If you don't have that sort of grade, you're probably making more money to stay in college right. than you are to go pro. So if, if the money's the biggest concern, you're probably incentivized to stay at the college level. And and like additionally, it just it's very rare for a second round quarterback or anyone after day one to earn a starting job, right? Like it's, it's just, you're, you're giving yourself a much, much better chance to be the starter and to be the team's quote unquote, like future franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a first round pick. And so like, it definitely behooves some of these guys, if they go, get a grade from the draft advisory board where they're like third round or worse, 
Mm -hmm. like don't come out because like the odds that you'll end up earning a starting job are just so low. Like even if you get taken in the second round, the team is not super, you know, like committed to you. And so obviously there's, there's exceptions to that, but generally speaking, like it's, it's not great (laughs) if you go after day one, especially after day, especially after round two, Mm -hmm. like, and on, if you get taken in third round or worse, it's, it's usually just means you're going to be like a career backup. So, um, you know, it, it, it is, it behooves them to go back and try and improve their stock. NFL draft expert Danny Kelly tells college players, don't bother, just stay, just stay for as long as possible. Just give up. Really? Just give up. Unless you're a first or second round pick. <laughs> no point. As we, as we move on to this exercise that now from this point forward, exclusively consists of players not taken in the first and second round. <laughs> so Danny, I realize that this is pointless for this player <laughs> who's making a foolish decision by not staying in college and safely ensconced in college forever, but in the fourth round of yeah. your perfect draft, who would you be taking? So this is actually good for my brand because I've sort of been, it's been a bit that I'm like a nihilist when it comes to a lot of <laughs> st- <laughs> stuff. None of this matters. We're just specs in the universe. Um, sure. But yeah, round four, and this is fudging it a little bit because he could be a round three guy That's potentially, fine. but um, wide receiver A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. Okay. And again, this is actually, it's a good segue, I guess, because he's probably not going to be a round two, round one guy because he's 23 years old. Um, he's a little bit older. I think teams would certainly look at that as a negative. He didn't break out in college until he was a little bit older, third or fourth Mm -hmm. year. Um, and so that those are some knocks against him. However, if you look at his last two seasons, I mean, he had 71 catches, 1200 plus yards, 15 touchdowns as a junior. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, 81 catches over a thousand yards, 11 touchdowns. He's a touchdown machine. He ran a four, four, seven at six, 398 pounds. He's one of the big He's one of the few big receivers with speed in this class. Mm-hmm. He's basically a George Pickens clone athletically. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at their, you know, the relative ath- athletic score yep. um, that Kentley Platt does, it's really intriguing way of sort of like measuring athleticism and um, their RAS scores are like basically match up like almost perfectly. Both had 1.5 10 yard splits, which is, you know, a lot of burst off the line. Um, Perry actually jumped higher and further than Pickens, but Pickens is two years younger. So that is obviously a big factor here. Um, but at the end of the day, a Perry big loose athlete. I think he's a good route runner. He sets up guys really well. He, um, has build up speed down the field. He's a big play player. Um, you know, he's, he's, there were times where I, like where he was running routes, where it reminded me a little bit of Justin Jefferson, just in the mm-hmm. way he uses like basketball moves to get open. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson clearly, but, um, well, you know, uh, oh, the, the I walked into this up, two of the cops <laughs> who come up on mock draftable for him in terms of his athleticism are George Pickens and yeah. Justin Jefferson. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Well, they are both um, taller, skinnier type players. And yes. in the past, like, that might be something that kind of look at as a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like the way that the NFL is going, like you can get away with being tall and skinny. And it's almost like the the new normal now, if you're, you know, 6'1", 190 pounds or something like that, like look, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, these guys are tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I, to me, he's a super productive, very athletic, um, good X receiver with with lots of again, like lots of career production. The big knock on him is that he's he's old, and so you know that I, that's valid. But I think I would for sure take him in the third or fourth round and, and kind of just like see what goes on there. Mm-hmm. Are, are you concerned about like the weird Wake Forest offense? <laughs> yeah, like I mean the, a little the slow mesh. 
dude, this is that is like as someone who mainly watches college football through the lens of the draft, mm-hmm. like that is the weirdest offense to see. They essentially, if you haven't seen them play, they the quarterback will hike the ball, put the ball in the belly of the running back, and then they'll do a little dance for a very uncomfortable amount of time, like five <laughs> seconds, like the lock towards the, towards the line of scrimmage before like taking the mesh away. Yes. Um, it's and a very weird offense, but yeah. And what it, makes it even weirder, sorry, is that they don't want to tell anybody about it. Like most, most schools. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Like, like they were the ones who had the playbook scandal a few years mm. ago where their playbook got leaked. And so they, like like other schools, like you know, when they are going through coaching stuff, like they'll have coaches visit, they'll have, you know, they'll contribute to conferences, they'll do right. talks. Like, like of course, some teams are going to hide some elements of their what they're doing, what they're thinking. But in general, like once it's on tape, you kind of put it out there and you're like, okay, well, we just are going to coach it better. Yeah, Wake Forest does not do that. This is a <laughs> this is a program that, by all accounts does not want to tell anybody about how this weird offense works, which makes it even more intriguing to me. What are they doing in that match point? That's what I want to know. know. (laughs) What's happening in there? That's Uh, state secrets. The way, the way people talk about analytics is the way I talk about uh, the slow mesh offense for Wake Forest. It's just a jumble (laughs) of stuff happening in there and it's a black box and I don't like it. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's that's definitely weird. Like, and that was one of the weird parts of watching uh, Perry. Um, the I guess the other one, the other knock on him is he doesn't have very many yards after they catch. And but I don't think that's I think that's more of a function of the offense because they were doing that mesh point thing and then just checking it deep to him a lot of the yeah. time. Um, and so he didn't have a ton of situations where he was like getting opportunities to get yards after the catch. Um, I do think he has the you know athleticism and, and short area twitch to to make some moves after the catch. Not necessarily going to be a big guy in that, but. But yeah, so to me, I'm just a little confused why he's not getting more hype and more love. I suspect it's because he played at Wake Forest and he's an older rookie, or he will be an older rookie, but everything else I like. Okay, put him on an NFL team for me. Where do you think he fits? Good question. Let me pull up the list here. Um, my I, first... Well, you got Atlanta and Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> I can go... just go alphabetically? I can, I, I can go through all of them if you like. <laughs> Um, let's see. I'm pulling up the list. So, I mean, the Panthers, they need firepower. They do. Um, he'd be an interesting number two on the Vikings. Mm -hmm. I think they need more, you know, they're going to have to uh, get a little bit more diverse. I think in their, in their past game. Um, I, the first team I thought it was like the Packers. They've got a couple of young guys there, but you know, they still need to build that out. Um, the lions, there's a lot of teams I could use this type of guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Seems like you really focused on the, on the NFC North, Danny, as a possible landing point. <laughs> the Giants need big guys. How about that? Yeah, or fast. Either. Or, or just, just not both, slow. Maybe. Yeah. Both, both would be ideal, but that's that's asking a lot here <laughs> right, right, right. in the fourth round. Um, that'll make sense to me. Okay. Fifth right. round pick. All right. Going back to the defense. Okay. Um, this is a hybrid linebacker slash edge player, Yasir Abdullah out of Louisville. Okay. Um my comp for him and what he, who he reminded me of right off the bat, and I like this guy coming out, was Josh, Josh Uche, New, okay. York, uh, New England Patriots. Yeah. Sort of a hybrid pass rusher, off-ball linebacker, tweener that might not have a real position. That's probably why he's going in round five. Um, but And he's a, little, he's a little small. I think he's 6'1", 
240, 235 pounds or so, but Mm -hmm. he is extremely, extremely twitched up athlete, former high school track guy. Uh, he ran a four, four, seven, 40, um, 36 inch vert, 10 foot nine broad. So he's got incredible explosiveness. Uh, another four year starter. He had 60 career games, um, 23 and a half sacks, three picks, which I think is intriguing. Um, he did, he was asked to drop back into coverage at times. And, mm-hmm. um, I did think he looked a little bit stiff, but at the same time, he was, you know, instinctive enough to get in front of passes and carry guys up to seam and carry guys up the sideline. He had one play. I can't remember who it was against. He, he basically carried a slot receiver up the seam and, and picked it off. And so wow. there's a lot to like there. Um, athletically the way he's been utilized, I think he could come in and and be a rotational off-ball linebacker slash sub-package edge rusher mm-hmm. um, with some versatility, but mainly just, you know, super explosive. He's got a really quick first step. There are times where he was, like, literally in the backfield before the tackle even moved. Ooh, um, and, you know, very bendy athlete. Um, and I think he could be the type of guy to develop. In, in a class where there's not very many good linebackers, honestly, like I don't like this linebacker class. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite middle, like day two, day three, early day three guys that could develop into a pretty solid off-ball linebacker. I want to say his his RAS score was very similar to Bobby Wagner. Again, I'm not comparing him to Bobby Wagner, but athletically, you're getting a guy with a ton of juice to like fly around the field. Mm-hmm. Are, are you surprised with those traits that he's not sort of projected to go earlier than the fifth round i am yeah especially in a class you know with not very many linebackers he's not that different from trenton simpson um in terms of athletically mm-hmm. and you know i guess it's because he's short that's that's the main thing he's like six foot one and so there's you know obviously not a ton of um ton of like edge rushers that size you have to kind of find a decent fit for him um but to me, I'm betting on the traits in the fifth round and fourth, fifth round. It's like you get getting guys with traits and he has a lot of production too. Um, and so, you know, maybe he goes earlier than I'm thinking, but this is where I, I kind of looked around. I like the mock draft consensus places and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the beast Brugler's guide when he did a seven round mock the other day mm-hmm. and he was taken in uh, round five. And so I'm like, I don't know, but to me, that's a huge value. Mm-hmm. Do you have a fit for him? Um, I think like a, a team that has that team that asks guys to stand up on the edge. Yep. Um, so that's like the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I don't, I didn't have one in mind. Like, honestly, the team like the Seahawks might make a lot of sense where mm. they're kind of like a hybrid and, you know, they need some linebacker help. They love typically love super athletic, um, you know, linebackers and guys that are like Jamal Adams versatile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Sorry. He wasn't the guy who came to mind, Sorry, but yes. I had to. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> just needling, just needling me. Just um, straight up attack. I'm sorry. But yeah, so he he to me is a uh, maybe he maybe he'll go a little bit higher than this in, in at the end of the day. But well, better on traits. Better on now, traits. Now that he has the Danny Kelly bump, I feel like it's it's possible for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. The if he does, if he yeah. does, you can take credit for it now. There we go. Um, do you have a sixth round selection for us? So I cheated a little and I combined sixth and seventh round okay. because there's just a thousand guys yep. to talk about. Okay. And um, I'm giving you two of my two of my favorite very late round running back sleepers okay. that I like a lot. So in round six, I think more likely round six, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia, yep. who he had one of the worst three cones, I think, in history, like legitimately <laughs> almost he had seven, six, nine 
three cone oh at the combine, I think, or is either at the combine or his pro day, which is really bad. Like he has zero lateral agility. This is the DK Metcalf of running backs. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, he had a very strong uh, 10 yard split. He has yeah. a lot of juice, like straight line, just hit the gas, run downhill. Um, I saw that on his tape too. Like, I thought he had more juice and burst in the short area than he was given credit for. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people see him as sort of like a jag. But to me, he has a little bit of burst. He's got the he's got the right size, um, over 200 pounds, like 205, 210 pounds. I think he played mm-hmm. around 210. And he's a very good receiver. He had 76 catches in college, 860 yards, and four touchdowns as a receiver. They're using him on vertical routes at times mm-hmm. um, where you know he, he's just running right past linebackers out of the backfield and up the seam. He's got a good feel for catching the football. He's got a good feel for looking back for it. Um, He's just a guy I think that could, and and again, he went to Georgia. And so he's, you know, he's, it's a big time program. Like he's been around, they usually rotate their guys. Mm -hmm. So his production's not super high, Um, but he's just a good solid pass catching running back with some juice in the short area. Not much wiggle, Mm -hmm. but doesn't sound like a lot of wiggle. (laughs) No, his, his shuttle time was four, six, nine. That's like Orlando Brown bat. Like, I don't even know. I'm not sure, but like, it's, it's not very good. Um, and so, yeah, obviously don't ask him to like create on his own necessarily, but I think there's like a, you know, a Tevin Coleman, James White archetype there where really? you're getting a guy who can catch a lot of passes, not going to be like the every down player, but gives you some value in the passing game and, and you know, some bursts and he's good around the goal line, um, things like that. One of the athletic comps here is Bilal Powell. Ooh, that's a name. I mean, he did catch the football at the pro, at the pro level. He, he did. Um, um Landing spot is huge with any of these guys, but yes, for sure. I feel like running back is so important where you land. Huge, yeah. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco being the classic example of like exactly. maybe he gets cut and doesn't play ever if he right. ends up on a different team, but end up on the Chiefs and you win a Super Bowl and you're you know a household name. So yeah. good yep. landing spot for you there. It, it's a it, it's such a difficult position, and I think with McIntosh, like the element of him not being the primary backer. I mean, he did lead the team in carries, but split split a ton of time. Like that feels different at Georgia than it does at North Carolina. Like I always think right, of Mitchell right. Trubisky and the the oh well, he couldn't beat out you know the the guy who was on the roster the year before, and that seemed like a bad thing if Mitch Trubisky couldn't beat out that guy for the starting job until the final season. There, um, it's different at Georgia. Like you're splitting time with players who pro- typically project to be other. Right. So it doesn't seem quite as damning to me. Yeah, he was a four-star guy. Um, and I mean, yeah, look at the history of Georgia running backs. It's like they rotate typically. You got Sony mm. Michelle, um, Chubb, I'm going down the list, DeAndre Swift, Zamir White, James Cook. It's it's there's just always four and five star guys that they need to like feed the rock to. So yes. that's kind of their deal. Yeah, and they're usually winning. They have lots of carries to go around. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like I'm assuming you see him as like a receiving back primarily? Yeah. Primarily. Um, I think he can be a bruiser around the goal line, which again, mm-hmm. I'm thinking from a fantasy lens a lot of the time too here. So like he's a he's a sleeper for me just because the pass catching is obviously very important fantasy, but then also he's big enough and and has enough downhill juice to be used in the red zone too. Don't need to cut. Don't need to go laterally inside right. the five yard line. Go point to the end zone and go. <laughs> Is there a team like the Force like, Gump? 
<laughs> Forrest Gump. I don't know if people remember, but Forrest Gump. Run! Great, great, great fantasy goal line back uh, in, <laughs> in the 70s. Yeah. All American. Yeah. Tremendous value. Um, yeah, like sort of like the Garrett Blunt of his day, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, do you have a fit for Kenny McIntosh at the pro level? Ooh, man! I wish I would have thought this through more. Um, well, every I had, team I had to trick you a little bit. All these teams need running backs. I mean, like the Cowboys, of course, make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Teams who need who could Did use a goal line back, but Austin pass could he be a Austin Eckler? long-term replacement with the chargers maybe oh i could absolutely see that um the chargers have been the team that have been most annoying to me in the last like few years because they <laughs> cannot find a backup running back like no matter how many picks they use on it no matter how hard they try mm-hmm. um all their backups are bad so i think he, yeah if he goes to the chargers in like the fifth or sixth round i'm like he's gonna be the starter especially and if then, they uh trade eckler and then um, he'll be doomed <laughs> yeah um so he, yeah that's a that's a good fit i like that one yeah, I mean, I think the Rams could maybe use someone in the yep. mix there. Although, I'm like, I mean, honestly, have... the Seahawks again. <laughs> you just can't name the Seahawks every time. <laughs> it, it be honest, Danny. Is this a Seahawks mock draft that you're masquerading as a 100 all their picks? I mean, they can never have enough tight ends. No offense, a free agent after the year. No, okay. <laughs> um, who is yeah. your final seventh round selection here? The Colts, the maybe the Colts. The Colts. That's um, right. Uh, the last guy I'm going to say is, and he's probably sixth or seventh rounder, I'd say at this time, Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky. He's another mm-hmm. running back. Um, big bruising maniac who <laughs> just absolutely just a, he's just a hammer, you know, at, at running back. Um, he's again, another, another guy who's like very stiff. He's not going to hit a home run. Like he'll get caught from behind. Um, but he breaks an insane amount of tackles. He had 6.2 yards per carries, mm-hmm. uh, yards per carry over 592 carries in his career. Wow. Um, last year, you like this 672 of his 902 yards came after contact. That's yes. 75%. Wow. Per PFF. Wow. And then uh, I'm stealing the stat from my buddy Scott Barrett, but um, he made a list of 2,886 qualifying seasons of top five of power five running backs mm-hmm. in missed tackles forced per game. So basically, these are the most these are the guys that missed the most are forced most tackles missed tackles in a game mm-hmm. like over the last ten years. Okay. Number two, number one, and number two, Bijan Robinson. Oh boy. Number three is Chris Rodriguez. <laughs> like this guy, it's not missed tackles per carry. He's just he's a this is a, a bit of a volume stat, but at the same time, man, he's he breaks so many tackles. Yep. Um the the third he's tied with David Montgomery from 2018 and then David Montgomery from 2017. So he's that wow. I think he's in that kind of mold mm-hmm. where he's just a bruiser, man. He's just gonna go in there and he's gonna run really hard. I feel like he's gonna be a coach's dream because he's a good pass protector. Ooh. Um he's a he's a team captain, all that stuff. Like he's a He's the discount version of Roshan Johnson in my mind, kind of like mm-hmm. everyone's talking about Roshan Johnson from Texas, who is going to be a coach's dream because he does all the all the dirty work. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Rodriguez is that guy in like day three. Really? Okay. I mean, I certainly you could see how this skill set would add up to a useful player. I mean, right. if you can be right. a physical force, if you can be the second part of a rotation, if you can be um, you know, the big back in a rotation, that's really exciting. Or or, or sort of the the interior, the thunder in a rotation. Yep. He has ninth percentile hand size. Does that concern you? <laughs> yeah, and he didn't catch very many passes in college, which is 
so I don't, that's a black, that's the black box. We don't know for sure if he can really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess probably not. Um, but to me, he's like, I, I compared it and I maybe, you know, this Algier might be a little bit better of a pass catcher, but it, he kind of reminded me of Algier, Tyler Algier from the Falcons, who mm-hmm. um, just a big bruiser, not, you know, sort of a no frills runner, not really going to do a whole lot, but he just breaks a lot of tackles. He's a downhill North South guy, um, just meat and potatoes back who can come in and, and like be a tone setter for your offense. Not going to be a big play creator necessarily. Um, but yeah, I think I thought athletically they're very close him and Algier. So Christopher Rodriguez is a meat and potatoes back. Who would be a salad back for you, Danny? <laughs> in uh, Devon A-Chain. It would be Devon my salad A-Chain back. Is your salad I really wanted to pigeonhole it, like just get him in here because he's like my favorite player in this draft class. He's, really? This is my irrational love of Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M. Really? Um, yeah. Sell me, please sell me on Devon This A-Chain. is the bonus one. He's probably going to be a third rounder, but um, okay. Yeah, to me, like Devon A Chain is he's the siren song of speed. He's 188 pounds. I recognize that not a lot of 188 pound running backs in the NFL. Sure. Um, but he is so ridiculously fast. He's lightning quick. He is a literal track star. Like he 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 ran track at Texas AM. He has like Olympic level speed in the hundred. Um he's he's just and the thing about him is like he was a football player first. Like I, I think they had to talk him into doing track at Texas AM. He's like a football player, really? he makes guys miss. Um, you know, he's a kick returner. He, to me, he reminded the way that I could see him being used in the NFL and, and utilized is he reminded me a little bit of Tony Pollard, but he's, he's much smaller than Pollard, but like in stylistically the way he kind of like provides the lightning element to like a thunder element in, in an mm-hmm. offense. He, um, there's a couple comps in the, like in the old days that I like, like work done. Um, and then job at best stylistically, I think are mm-hmm. pretty similar and size wise, pretty similar. Um, but he's definitely an outlier. He's, he's tiny. So maybe move him to receiver or something and see what happens, but just give him the ball and let him cook. That's my thing. Wow. Throw it back. Most, most comparable athlete in terms of his combine data was Noel divine from West Virginia. Oh, wow. I remember that name. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of hits that happen in his weight range and size range. And I recognize that, but I still just cannot help, but like, love this guy. If he lands like with Miami, I'm going to be stoked. <laughs> Who would you be sad if he landed with? Uh, that is a great question. Any team that's just going to try and like turn him into like a complimentary back Fal- Falcons. Yeah. The Falcons. Um, anyone that's going to bury him on their depth chart. I would not be very excited about, you know, um, mm-hmm. I want somebody, I want a team that's going to use him in the passing game. So a team that has a run a quarterback that will throw to their running backs. So not Patrick Mahomes, unless it's Jerick McKinnon. Right. Well, I don't know. Yeah, the Jerick McKinnon thing like actually makes me kind of intrigued about uh, the Chiefs and obviously like the ability to get him into space and all that. Um, I, I will say like not to get hy- hyperbolic here, but like mm-hmm. he has Tyreek's Hill suddenness. I, I'm mm-hmm. obviously no one's as fast as Tyreek Hill, but like the suddenness is there. So if you have a player like that, would you try to move him to wide receiver to see if you can? I think I would, honestly. And maybe it's just like, uh, you know, you remember how they used to use uh, Tariq Cohen for the for the Bears? Like maybe just like a supersized version of that. Not supersized, he's about the same size, but like mm-hmm. just like use him a little bit more where he's a, or maybe even like a Percy Harvin style thing where he's a slot receiver slash running back slash kick returner slash playmaker. Um, and just let him, you know, get the ball in his hands and let him do do things in space. He's also, by the way, like a kind of a good running back, like between the tackles. I know that he's probably not going to get a lot of volume in that area in the NFL, but like he was good at that. He was their lead back um, for AM and 
um, showed some ability between the tackles too. So he's like a tough, tough physical guy. He's just, you know, tiny. Mm-hmm. Can you, okay. So let's, let's, let's review. Give us again, your one through seven perfect draft. All right. So started in round one, Dalton Kincaid tight end out of Utah round mm-hmm. two, Keanu Benton defensive tackle out of Wisconsin edge, uh, Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri in round three wide receiver, AT Perry from Wake forest in round four. Uh, and then, Hybrid edge linebacker Yasir Abdullah um, from Louisville in round five. And then round six and seven, a pair of running backs, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia and Chris Rodriguez Jr. from Kentucky. And then sprinkle in Devon A-Chain somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere. Round, third round. You, you, your, your team has traded a future pick to acquire Devon A-Chain somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Well, you have three running backs from this class fantasy guy come on so 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 (laughs) fantasy fantasy fans will be furious with you because they won't know who to target in dynasty drafts so thank you for that (laughs) but otherwise a wonderful exercise with the wonderful otherwise where can people check out um all the work you're doing on the draft and then after the draft yeah so check me out at the ringer sorry nfl draft dot the ringer.com also just the ringer.com uh you can find me on twitter at danny b kelly and then Post the Ringer NFL Draft Show slash Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify and wherever you find your podcasts. Beautiful. Danny, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much to Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Just wanted to briefly mention as well, a friend of Danny and ours and a guest, uh, you know, a guest who's been on the show many times, our friend Doug Kide, who works for A to Z Sports, has covered the NFL for Nesson and for Pro Football Focus. Um, Doug's daughter hallie who's two years old uh was unfortunately diagnosed with leukemia last week obviously i mean just a horrible situation and unimaginable for any parent to have to go through that um you know i i know certainly times are tough and certainly a lot of people have a lot going on if you would consider donating to help doug's family as they battle this horrible disease and as they deal with all the stuff that's related to the disease not just of course the treatment but also you know having the ability to stay places and gas and parking and all the other things that come with a long-term illness if you're interested in donating to help uh, my pinned tweet on my twitter account is the gofundme for doug and his family um would really 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 appreciate it if you could uh, consider donating, Doug is not just a great guest and a great NFL writer, but also a great guy, um, someone I've known for a long time, and someone who, uh, of course, is is in the middle of a impossible situation with his two-year-old daughter. So uh, please keep them in your thoughts, and please, if you have the ability to donate, uh, please go ahead and do that. Um, we'll be back next week. More audio coming uh, for the Bill Barnwell Show. We have NFL draft coverage still in advance of the draft next Thursday. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show with Danny Kelly and more on the way next week.